Good morning, everyone. We are about to open our Bibles and hear a message from God's Word. But before we do that, let's uh, start off with another word of prayer. Our Father, we have come here today to worship you and to also to hear from you. And we pray now that our hearts would be open, our minds would be active as we seek to know you more and know your will more through your word. We ask this in the name of your son, Jesus. Amen. So you guys know the uh, Mission Impossible movies, right? And for some of you who are a little bit older, maybe, you might remember the Mission Impossible TV show that the movies were based off of. Um, at the beginning of those stories, there's always the main character gets a secret message from headquarters that gives him the new impossible mission. And it always goes something like this. It says, your mission, should you choose to accept it, involves putting together a team of agents to save the world from a deadly peril. And then they say, as always, should any member of your team be caught or killed, the secretary will disavow all knowledge of your actions. This message will self-destruct in five seconds. And of course, even though it always says, your mission, should you choose to accept it, of course they always accept the mission and go off and save the world, right? But, uh, but what, if, what if you didn't? What if you said, um, you know, I've, I've got a thing happening this weekend, and we we're planning on going rock climbing, and so I think I'll pass on the mission this time. I won't accept. Um, the world would be in grave danger, right? Terrible things would happen. The bad guys would win, and, uh, and the world would not be saved. Chaos would reign. So some of you who are the more clever in the group here are probably guessing where I'm going with this, right? We have been given a mission from God also, and we have the choice whether to accept our mission. God has an important role for you to play on his team to save the world, but many of us choose not to accept it. God has a role for you to play on his team to do important things, to accomplish great things. But many of us say, oh, I've got other priorities, you know, and that prevents us from accepting what God has for us. God has given us all the resources. He's given us our time, our talents, our skills, our money, our ambition, all kinds of resources. And he has a mission for us. He wants us to save the world. Will you choose to accept the mission that God has given to you? Now, the mission that God has given us has real purpose and meaning. Unlike many of the things that, that people are tempted to spend your life on and, and, and spend all your resources on, it has true importance. So many people are just going through life with no sense of meaning. They don't see the things that they are pursuing as having real lasting value or importance. They're just trying to have a good time, trying to get by. And they're, just, they're, and they're right. Those things don't have lasting value and importance. Many people are going through life spinning their wheels and failing to accomplish the things that God has for them, including a lot of Christians. God has offered you a mission should you choose to accept it. 
So make sure that you're spending the resources that God has given you to accomplish something of value. So what is the mission that God has given us? Well, to answer that, we're going to start, uh, our, our first part of the answer is going to come from the very beginning of the Bible, Genesis chapter 1. In Genesis chapter 1, in verse 27, it says this. It says, So God created mankind in His own image. In the image of God, He created them. Male and female, He created them. And God blessed them and said to them, Be fruitful and increase in number. Fill the earth and subdue it. Rule over the fish of the sea and the birds of the sky and over every living creature that moves on the ground. This uh, is God's original mission for mankind that's summarized in these verses here. Um, Theologians call this the creation mandate, that right at the moment of creation, God gave people this mandate to go out and fill the earth and subdue it. Um, God creates man in his own image, and he has this mission for them, be fruitful and increase in number. In other words, have children, raise families. Explore the earth, populate the whole planet. And now, of course, we know that this particular part of the mission uh, is not fulfilled in the same way by every member of the human race. Um, It's not God's plan for every person to be a parent. Jesus himself, who was the perfect human and uh, fulfilled God's will perfectly, never had any children. Um, But... uh, But uh, even if you have no children of your own, part of God's mission for humanity is to raise up the next generation and fill the earth and subdue it. And you have a role to play in that, even if you don't have children of your own. So we we have a role to raise up those people to fill the earth and to subdue it. And that part about subduing the earth and ruling over all the other created living things is the other main idea here. And what it means is illustrated pretty well by the first work that God assigns Adam and Eve to do. It's in the the next chapter, in chapter 2, where it talks about uh, God uh, creating a garden. And then it says, quote, uh, oh, he puts uh, uh, Adam and Eve into the garden, and it says that they are there, quote, to work it and take care of it. So gardening then becomes the prototype of the kind of work that God wants us to do. Gardening is the, the, uh, the, the prototypical work. Um, so what is gardening? Well, gardening is cultivating the ground. It is planting, weeding, landscaping, pruning, fertilizing, watering in order to realize the potential to produce good things. Right? And here is the, it, it, it's a biblical definition, not taken from the Bible, but a Uh, The ideas are taken from the Bible. This comes from Pastor Tim Keller, who did a lot of teaching on the theology of work. And I I have done a lot of reading of his uh, teaching on this and did some more of this this week in preparing for this. And so a lot of these ideas I'm talking about are coming from Tim Keller. But this is his definition of what is work. He says, work is rearranging the raw material of a particular domain to draw out its potential for the flourishing of everyone. Now, it's fairly easy to see how this definition fits the work of gardening, right, that Adam and Eve are doing, 
right? Uh, when when you, uh, you, you go in, you, you don't destroy the domain you're working with. You, you don't just let it go either. You mess with it. You develop it. You're creative. And in the realm of gardening, that means that, uh, you know, you're, you're rearranging the soils, you're planting, you're cultivating, you're doing all these things, you're uh, weeding and throwing out the bad plants, and, and you're drawing out the potential for the garden to produce either food or flowers or trees or whatever it is that you're producing so that people can enjoy it and it will meet people's needs. Um, but this definition uh, also works for many other kinds of work. If you're a carpenter, you're rearranging the raw materials that God has provided in order to build a building that we can use for society to, as homes or stores or churches or schools or whatever, all the different things that for the benefit of all. If you're a writer, you're rearranging the raw materials of language in order to uh, draw out the potential there to write an instruction manual or a story or a, uh, a grant proposal or whatever it is for the flourishing of everyone. Um, if you are a third grade teacher, you are rearranging the raw material of uh, textbooks and learning materials and lesson plans and all these things in order to teach these kids, not just so that the kids themselves can flourish, but an educated population causes us all to flourish. Now, sometimes it can be a little bit harder to see how our work uh, is promoting the flourishing of, of everyone and, and, and society in general. Sometimes that's because your work is just a cog in the machine, right? And it's the bigger... Uh, project that you're involved in that's really benefiting society as a whole, but you're still playing an important role in making it happen. Um, and if we take a step back and look at the bigger picture, we can see how our part in the organization is contributing to the flourishing of all. I really liked Keller's definition of work here, and I think with some creativity in how we understand the idea of rearranging raw materials, which it does take some creativity with some, uh, some occupations to see how it works out, but I think that this can really help us all to understand a bit better what work is from a biblical perspective. Notice that there is nothing here about whether you get paid for the work that you're doing. Work is not defined by a paycheck, right? Um, work, uh, remember that, that one of the key parts of God's mission was be fruitful and multiply? Right? You don't get paid to be a parent, um, but it is definitely work. <laughs> and many other kinds of work also don't earn a paycheck. Uh, the, the work that is given to Adam and Eve when they were in the Garden of Eden, uh, it, 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 was, it was hard work. But, um, but think about where that was. This was before they had ever sinned, before there were, uh, was any curse on the land. They had work to be done. Work uh, is part of God's will for humanity even before sin ever entered the, the world. And while the, the details are lacking on exactly what it's going to look like, it appears from the Scriptures that work will also be a part of our lives in eternity. So if your idea of eternity is just that you're going to lay around in a hammock and sip lemonade, 
that idea does not come from the Bible. Right? In eternity, our work will not be toilsome and difficult and unpleasant, as it sometimes is now, but we will still be doing meaningful work. Because work is not a bad thing. It's part of God's purpose for us. In the book of Ephesians, it says, flip over there real quick, uh, it says, uh, for we are God's handiwork created in Christ Jesus to do good works, which God has prepared in advance for us to do. And the work that God created us to do and that he has prepared in advance for us to do includes the work that you do 40 hours a week. God cares about your work, and he cares about the contribution that you make to human flourishing. So what does that mean? What are the implications of this? Well, for one thing, it, it should help us to have a correct understanding of the significance of our work. The work that we do is not just earning a paycheck to pay for what is actually meaningful and important in life. The work itself is important and meaningful. We just need to take a few minutes sometimes to sit back and think about what it is we're doing and how we are making a contribution to human flourishing. Now, does this understanding of work mean that, that work will then be easy and fun all the time because uh, we can see the point of it? Well, no, it might still be difficult, and some days you might really want to stay home. But knowing that God cares about the work that we're doing definitely makes doing it different. And when we know that our work is part of the mission that God has given us, it should motivate us to do a great job. Whether that's on the big important project that we're doing at our job, or whether it's shoveling snow in your driveway, or doing the laundry. All of those things are work that are necessary for human flourishing. All of those are the good works that God has created us to do. And we should do all of that work in a way that is pleasing to God and helpful to everyone. This understanding of work also gives dignity and value to the kind of work that society and sometimes we ourselves are tempted to think of as demeaning and low and not very important. But that's, uh, that's, that's not the way the Bible sees it. Rather than seeing our work as having value based on how much we get paid for it or based on how rare the skills are that the work requires, we can see that the Bible teaches that our work has value because it is given to us by God and it contributes to the common good of the people around us. This also means that the purpose of our work is not for our own ambition and our own reputation. Right? Sometimes we want to have a certain career or we want to achieve certain things at our work so that we will look good and we'll be important and people will look up to us and we will have status. And that isn't just about the career type of work. Sometimes we, we, we mow our lawn really nicely in order to impress people and make them think, wow, that guy's really got his act together. Or we do whatever, you know, whatever work it is we're doing, we clean our house really well so that when our friends come over, they're like, wow, look at how well they keep their house. Um, but that's not, why we, that's not why we work, is not to impress people and build our own reputation and for our own ego. 
That is not what work's about. We always need to remember that our work is to be done for the benefit of all, not just for our own benefit. We do good work because it is pleasing to God and beneficial for everyone, not for our own egos. A few years ago, I was, uh, I was teaching an adult Sunday school class at another church, and we were talking about this idea that our work had meaning and purpose and was important to God. And, uh, and after the class, uh, we were discussing the issues, and, and one of the guys in the class, he just could not see that his work had any value beyond a paycheck. He was like, nope, my work is all, it's just a paycheck so I can pay for this, uh, the things that my family needs and so that I can uh, you know, have my real life that I care about outside of work. That is not the godly life that God calls us to. God, uh, God wants us to see the value and the purpose in all of the things that we do. It's true that sometimes our jobs are not very enjoyable. That doesn't matter. It's still meaningful and it still has purpose even when it's work, even when it is difficult, even when the people that we're working with kind of rub us wrong, even when our boss doesn't treat us very well. Living with, uh, with a, a proper understanding of work is a part of the godly life. God wants us to find meaning and satisfaction in our work, even when it is difficult. So a big part of God's mission for us is our work that He's given us to do, uh, both our, our paid careers and also all the other work that we do, um, whether we have a separate paid job or not. But a godly life also includes another part of the mission that God has given to us. Now, this, uh, after he rose from the dead, Jesus spent a little over a month uh, spending time with his disciples and teaching them some additional things. And one of the things that he uh, taught repeatedly throughout that month uh, was a, a task that he had for his followers to do. And he repeated that in different wordings at different times over that course of that uh, period uh, between his resurrection and the time when he ascended into heaven. And we see several versions of it were recorded in the Bible. The most famous version is in the Gospel of Matthew. If we flip over there, we see in Matthew chapter 28, where it says in verse 18, Then Jesus came to them and said, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit and teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you. And surely I am with you always to the very end of the age. So what's the mission that Jesus has given to us? To make disciples. And where are we supposed to be making disciples? Everywhere. And who are we supposed to be trying to reach out to? Everyone. Uh, is that people who are far away? Yes, people who are far away. People who live next door? Yes, the people who live next door too. People who are from other nations who already have their own ancestral religion and culture? Yes, they too need to become disciples of Jesus, all nations. 
Now, some people have seen this as primarily referring to what we call international missions. And it certainly does include that. We are told here to make disciples of all nations. In other versions of Jesus' teaching about this task, he talks about going into all the world. Um, and so, yes, uh, we uh, should go and, and we should all be involved in global missions. As Christians, we need to find ways to be involved in the task of making disciples all over the world. And God does want us to bring the gospel message to people who do not yet have many churches in their area where they can become disciples, places where Jesus is not well known and there, uh, and there are not uh, missionaries need to go there in order to make disciples. And there's many ways that we as Christians can and should be involved in that work. Uh, Pastor Mike spent a year as a missionary in Russia after he finished college. Bob Arnold, I don't know if he's here today, but Bob Arnold goes over to Burma on a regular basis. He makes trips over there to work with people who are making disciples over in Burma. Ryan Maxwell, is Ryan here today? Not here? Okay, well, Ryan Maxwell uh, went and studied engineering in Saudi Arabia so that he could be there and rub shoulders with Muslim people there and share the gospel with the people in Saudi Arabia. And after that, he spent a year in Pakistan doing mission work, trying to reach out to the Muslim people there in Pakistan. Uh, many people from our church have gone to the village of Norvik up in northern Alaska, where we seek to make disciples through a summer camp ministry. Um, and many others have gone into various parts of the world in pursuit of missions that God has given us. And there's a lot of opportunities to go on short or medium or long-term mission to go out and preach the gospel around the world. And all of you who give to Clearwater are also involved in this work through your financial support. Because our church uh, contributes some of the money that comes into the church, goes out to missionaries who are working in places like Italy and Vietnam and Bush, Alaska... And many of us also support other missionaries financially through personal giving in addition to what we do through the church. And of course, we can and should all be praying for this kind of missionary work among the nations. We should pray for the missionaries that our church supports. Pray for other missionaries who we know who are out doing the work. And, uh, and pray for those we don't know with general prayers for the nations that uh, the gospel would go out and people would be making disciples around the world. But there's another important thing that we need to remember when we think about this job of making disciples that Jesus has given to us, and that is that all nations includes the United States. It includes Anchorage. It includes the people that live right around us. And since we spend most of our time here in Anchorage, the primary place where we are going to be fulfilling the Great Commission and going out and making disciples is right here in Anchorage. We are to be seeking to share the gospel with the people around us, not just with the people of Burma or Bolivia or wherever. And that includes personal evangelism. Sitting down with somebody that you know and talking to them about Jesus and his love and his salvation that he offers to them. And next week, Pastor Mike is going to focus his message on how we can do that. How do we... Uh, get involved in personal evangelism, and how do we share the gospel with people? And how uh, sometimes that can be pretty, we just don't know where to start with that kind of a thing. And so Pastor Mike's going to talk about that next week. Um, but in addition to that kind of personal evangelism, it also includes many other things that we do that contribute to the task of making disciples. 
Sometimes we're a cog in the machine that is making disciples, and our small part contributes to the whole effort. Making disciples is the primary goal of Clearwater Church, so all the work that we do to contribute to the functioning of this church is a, contrib- is a contribution toward making disciples. So if you are volunteering as a greeter, or you're making coffee for Sunday morning, or you lead a journey group, or you drive the truck and trailer, or you play the flugelhorn on the worship team, I don't, I don't know if we've got a flugelhorn, but if we did, that would be cool. If you know how to play one, talk to us. Um, or if you just hold a cute baby in the nursery. All those things and many other things that are necessary for the functioning of the church are all things that are good works that God created us to do that contribute to the task of making disciples. And our church also offers some some more direct ways to be involved in outreach for those of us, uh, outreach toward those who do not yet have faith in Jesus, Um, through things like the Wendler Thanksgiving that we did the other day, um, Trunk or Treat event that we had a few weeks back, uh, the Christmas Village is coming up, you can sign up for Christmas Village today to reach out to the people in our community who don't yet know the story of Jesus and have not yet committed their lives to him, and we will be presenting the gospel, and you can be a part of that effort if you sign up today for Christmas Village. So Just like there's lots of ways that we can be involved in the work of global missions, there's also a lot of ways we can be involved in the work of local disciple-making, both through the work of Clearwater Church and through other local ministries, and even through personal evangelism, too. Now, I imagine that most of you who are paying close attention to what I'm talking about have thought this sermon really has two pretty distinct sections, right? At first, it was about the creation mandate, God's mission for us to to do good work that promotes the flourishing of all. And then the second part has been about God's mission to make disciples of all the nations. Now, here's the question. How distinct are those two things really? How does God's will for us to do good work relate to the work of making disciples? Sometimes we're tempted to get the idea that our other work that is not directly making disciples or or, or being a cog in the machine that's making disciples is, is only there to support the real work, what God really wants from us, which is making disciples. So just like people think their job is just a paycheck to pay for their family and their, and their things that they do outside of work, sometimes we think, oh yeah, the work that we do is just there to get a paycheck and stuff so we can support the work of the church or the work of, 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 of missionaries who are working around the world. So I want to tell you a story um, about this topic. I want to tell you about, uh, about my father and his life, and the work that he did. So here's a picture of my dad. Um, sorry, uh, he died about a year ago. I struggle to talk about him still, but give me a second. Um, some of you knew him. Some of you met him here at Clearwater. He lived out in Palmer for about 40 years, so he came into Clearwater sometimes to visit us. Um, But uh, my parents both graduated from Moody Bible Institute in Chicago back in the early 60s, and then they came to Alaska as missionaries. Um, 
They planted a church up in Eagle, up on the Yukon River in the late 60s. I was born during the final years that they were there planting that church in Eagle. Um, after that, they did some other missionary work. Then dad was a pastor in Soldovia for some years. And then uh, after they finished in Soldovia, my dad became, uh, went with another mission agency, Interact, where he was called a missionary at large. That meant that uh, the family, we lived in Palmer, but dad traveled around Alaska, especially up and down the Yukon River and the Kuskokwim River, doing missionary work in the various villages up and down the rivers and in other parts of Alaska as well. And he did that work until he was in his mid-60s. And then he retired from being a vocational missionary. But after just a few months of being retired, he went and got another job. Uh, he went to Alaska Airlines, and he worked in the maintenance hangar out at the airport um, and, uh, and worked in there in the hangar until he was in his late 70s. And then he retired again. And this, this retirement lasted a little bit longer. It was a couple of years before uh, he wanted work again. And, uh, and so he decided he would get a job at his favorite uh, business, which was Bass Pro Shop. And so he went to uh, Bass Pro and, and got hired to do maintenance on the store. And, uh, and he worked there for a few years. Um, didn't get a chance to retire a third time. Because he, uh, sorry, yeah, he worked a shift at Bass Pro on the day he died. So, um, so my dad is a great illustration for this sermon for a few reasons. Um, but the biggest one is this question. Was God more pleased with him when he was doing missionary work? and planting a church in Eagle than when he was fixing broken shelves at Bass Pro. Or here's another way to ask that question. Is God more pleased with Pastor Mike and I because we work for the church than he is for a guy who is an engineer for an oil company? Was my dad wasting his life during the final 20 years, when he was uh, not working in vocational ministry, but just doing regular jobs? No. Uh, that is not the biblical teaching about the mission that God has given to us. God wants us to do good work. And for some of us, we get to work for the church. And we get to get paid to do uh, more directly disciple-making ministries. But a godly life that pleases God does not require us to be employed by a Christian ministry. For most people, the work that God has called them to is in other areas of rearranging the raw materials of a certain domain in order to draw out its potential for the flourishing of everyone. That is a godly life. Another reason that my dad is a good example of for us is that during his time working at regular jobs, he was still working at making disciples. He did his work, 
He interacted with his coworkers with character, integrity, diligence, and love for others. And that gave him a voice as a Christian witness to the people around him. He did his work well, and he pleased God by contributing to human flourishing. And he made use of his connections to the people around him in his work to share the gospel, which is also pleasing to God. I want to give one more uh, illustration, which is also kind of a a church announcement. That is, um, a couple of months ago, Pastor Mike and I were discussing uh, the church budget and the church staff and how we wanted to hire some people to do some different things. And, uh, and one, of the, one of the ways that we decided to uh, make some space in the church budget is that I have decided to take a two-month uh, unpaid leave of absence from the church, which is going to start at the end of January. I will be gone for a couple of months. And, uh, and I'm in a nice position. God has blessed us so that I don't have to uh, earn income for those couple of months. I can get by without uh, any, uh, any income there. And so that freed up a lot of possibilities. Um, I, I really want to ride my bike on Route 66. Uh, and there's some other things, you know, you could go and lay on the beach somewhere, or there's different things I could do. But, but uh, I thought about it. I didn't have to think about it too long, really, because I really want to be on mission for God. And so what I decided to do with a couple extra months there is I'm going to go back to Africa where I served for almost 10 years as a uh, Bible college professor, and I contacted some of my old friends back in Africa, and I'm going to be going back to Union Bible Institute in Pietermaritzburg, South Africa, where I will be teaching a term at UBI and uh, teaching some, uh, some classes there. And... Uh, why not just take the time to relax and have fun? Why go and do unpaid work? Well, it's because uh, God has given me a mission. You know, at the, at the, like we said at the beginning with the Mission Impossible thing, your mission, should you choose to accept it, is to go out and do things that God is calling you to do. Are you going to accept that mission, or are you going to seek, you know, your own leisure, your own things, and your own selfish desires? So I'll be back after two months. I'll come back and be be here again at Clearwater. It's going to be. I'm looking forward to that too. But uh, it's going to be a good time for me over in uh, South Africa. I trust, and and uh, and I think that that. Yeah, so God has given us a mission. It includes going out and multiplying and filling the earth and subduing it and ruling over the earth in a way that promotes the flourishing of everyone. And it also includes making disciples both around the world and close to home. And if we want to live a godly life, we need to be doing work on God's mission. Let's pray. Our Heavenly Father, we thank you for the gift of meaningful work.
And we pray that you would, uh, you would guide us as we seek your will in how we can best accomplish that mission, how we can work in a way that uh, brings out the potential of our domain to promote the good of all. And I pray that you'd also help us to see how we can work to make disciples. Lord, we need your help because often we don't know what we are supposed to do exactly, but you will guide us when we look to you. Pray this in the name of your son, Jesus. Amen.